everyone. My name is Josh Scroggins. I pastor New Beginnings Family. Just wanted to say thank you for joining our podcast and welcome. We hope the following message will be encouraging, will inspire you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us or would like to support our ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.nbfamily.net. And as always, for all you do to support us, thank you. God bless you and enjoy the message. Hey, 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 everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, if these are a blessing to you, I hope that you are liking, sharing, comment, rate, review, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Just get the word out, let people know about it. Um, I wanted to share with you a thought that I had this last last week that really just stuck out to me. And uh, the the message that we're going to go through today, if I could put a title on it, I would call it Overthought and Overlooked. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. I got a pastor friend of mine who had a conversation with his son about finances, and the son wanted to be able to afford a nice car, just couldn't save up any money. And according to the son, by the time he had paid for the necessities of life, as he put it, he just didn't make enough money to save up for a car. So the father and son sat down together. They looked at his bank account, looked at spending habits. Turns out he was spending $20 a day just eating out. $10 every morning, $10 at lunch on average. That means $5,000 a year on fast food. So what was happening is the son was so focused each day on the pleasure of his breakfast and lunch, he was giving up the much bigger pleasure of owning his own car. And in this episode, I want to share with you what I would say is the single most important truth about your own life. And you don't want to miss this. This truth is is one that you already know, but maybe it's one you haven't thought about in a very very long time. And the truth isn't the truth for some of you. Some of you listening, this just isn't, this isn't the truth, but I would suspect that it is the truth for most people in the world today. And here it is. The truth I'm talking about is this, that we overthink our lives on earth today and we overlook the life that comes next. I'll say it again. We overthink our lives on earth today, and we overlook the life that comes next. Now, you already know that, don't you? I mean, there's something inside of you that wonders, how what happens after I die? Well, here's the interesting thing. Just by asking that question, what happens after I die? It shows that you know something is going to happen, right? Even if you don't know what it is yet. If you have ever asked the question, what happens next? It assumes that you know there is a next to happen. Well, we have this thing built inside of us and built into us that knows we're more than just mortal creatures who are born and die and then end. We know that deep down inside. I mean, when a loved one passes away, we have this sense that they're not really gone because we know deep down there's something that comes next after this life is over. So why do we overthink this life and overlook the next? I mean, really, this is something that we can all relate to, right? I mean, have you ever focused on something that was really small and then missed something much bigger as a result? 
I, I was thinking about um, a trip that I did uh, right after my uh, my graduation, my high school graduation. And I went through a ministry training program with a woman named Nancy Harmon. Uh, some of you may know who that is. And she had a program for students called the Mighty Warriors Student Training Program. And uh, I, I was there for that. Well, we were in a hotel and I was on my way down to meet everybody. And I was so focused on the little things, right? Just looking at my friends and paying attention to everything else except for the really big thing. And in, in my case, the really big thing was a large piece of glass, a large glass wall um, that I thought was a door and I was not paying attention. And I went face first right into the glass and I dropped to the ground. And I was laughing so hard for the next several minutes, I could barely breathe uh, because I had seen America's Funniest Home Videos. I had watched those little videos on the internet of, of people doing things just like that. And I had said to myself, what many of you have said to yourself, I would never do that. And then I did. And then I stood up. I saw my face print, <laughs> my my face imprint, the, the, uh, the oils from my face. And I could see my face in the glass. And I dropped back down and started laughing again. I overlooked something very big because I was so focused on something small. Um, and we all do that. All right, let me, let me ask you this. Have you ever focused on something that you thought was a really big deal and it just turned out to be, I don't know, really insignificant later? I mean, how many of you had a crush in grade school or high school? You just were obsessed, right? Consumed about thinking about that person. And now that person's not even a part of your life. You thought it was a big deal at the time, but really, they really weren't. Not not in the, the scope of your life anyway. What, what if you had spent that same time focusing on something or someone who still is a part of your life now? What if you had taken all of that obsession you had about this crush that you're no longer even in contact with? What if you had taken that time and energy and focused it on on something that is a part of your life right now, developing a talent or building friendships with people that you're still friends with or putting time in with your family? I mean, wouldn't that have been better? I mean, how many people spend their time pursuing career success or fame or power at the expense of their families. Did, did you know that the number one regret a person has on their deathbed is that they didn't spend enough time with loved ones? I mean, how many people allow money to come between them and their loved ones that, to allow something temporary to harm relationships that could last forever? Let me ask you something maybe a little bit more pointed. Where might you be if you had taken school more seriously? Where might your life be if you had chosen better friends? Where might your life be now if you had managed your money better when you were younger? What might be different if you had spent more time with your husband or your wife instead of only with the kids? How would your life be different now if you had avoided temptations when you were younger? How might your life be different if when you were younger, you had lived thinking about your future self more than your present self? So we can't change the past. And really, that's kind of the point. When you get years from now, you're not going to be able to go back to this time and change things. And so the, the question that we need to ask is, are we living now the way we wish we had lived when we were younger? Or when you're on your deathbed, will you look back at this time right now and wish you had lived different? And how about after that? How about after the deathbed, after 
what comes next when you're standing before God? Will you look back at your life and wish you had made better choices? 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, it says, Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. And so they do it to obtain the perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not to run aimlessly. I box in such a way as to avoid hitting air. I am strictly disciplining my body, make it a slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You know, in the last series that we did, Makers, we used a parable. We said that the process of making a disciple is like the process of making a cutting board. And in this passage, the apostle Paul uses a parable. And the parable that he uses is that of an Olympic runner. And I couldn't have come up with a better analogy for what we're talking about today. I mean, essentially, there's two ways to look at this life. Either there is no God, there's no life after this, and your life now has no real purpose or meaning. So you can just do whatever you want. It really doesn't matter in the end. I mean, once you die, you're gone anyway. So there's not really any significance or purpose to your life. That's one way to look at it. Or you could look at this life in a little bit different perspective, that there is a life after this. And the choices you make in this life affect it. In that case, this life has incredible value and meaning. In fact, it has eternal value and meaning. You know, to the athletes that Paul was talking about, the prize that they were working to obtain had the ultimate value, right? It was it was the Olympics. It was the best of the best. We still have Olympics to this day. And the Olympics are the best of the best. And they dedicate their entire lives to those moments where they will compete to be the best in the world at what they do. And Paul uses this parable of these runners working to attain the ultimate value and purpose. So what is it that those runners do that we need to emulate? Well, I'm going to give you a few. I'm going to give you a few things that, you know, parables are parables because they have crossover, right? So they, they say that this is like this because they have these things in common. And so as a parable, we need to learn from this. And so the first thing that Olympic runners do that we need to do is they have a willingness to sacrifice. So the a way that an Olympic, Olympian lives their life is a lot different than the way that we do. And really, this is true of every high-level athlete. Their, their diets are incredibly strict. Their exercise routines are incredibly strict. Their rest and their sleep time, it is perfectly calculated. Their practice, right, the way that they practice is highly intentional. Their entire lives are just lived differently than a normal person, but that's because they're living their lives for the purpose of what is coming instead of living their lives for the present. Now, some of you might think that seems sad, right? They're just, they're missing out on the everyday joy, uh, the, you know, the, the joy of everyday life. They're, they're missing out on the what's going on today. And it just seems really sad. But let me just say to the athlete, it's not sad at all. It, it's a trade. It's a trade and it's a trade that's worth making. 
They're trading something that they enjoy a little bit today for something that brings them great enjoyment later. You know, it's like them saying, I, you know, I like pizza and I could eat pizza right now and I could really enjoy this, this meal and, and, and have this certain type of food, but I would enjoy having a Super Bowl ring much more than I would enjoy eating this piece of pizza. I would enjoy having a gold medal around my neck than I would enjoy um, skipping practice today. You know, those, those things, those trades are worth making. They're trading something that they like for something that they love. And in essence, that's what sacrifice is. It's the trading of something you like or even love for something you love even more. But that also makes it a good trade, doesn't it? I mean, if you could give up something small and get back something large, isn't that a good trade? See, the the reason an Olympic athlete or a professional athlete can compete at the level they do It's not just because of their natural talent. It's about the fact they live each day as if it were a step towards the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the World Cup, the World Series. Every day is another step toward that goal. And to them, the sacrifice is worth it. They live each day in that manner. It's not just about the talent. I I know we, we can look at these people and say, well, no, they're there because of talent. Let me just tell you, there's a lot of people with a lot of natural talent that do not play professional sports. There's a ton of very, very gifted, very, very talented people that are not in the Olympics simply because they don't have the discipline. See, the average person is just not willing to put themselves through what these men and women put themselves through because we like to live in the present and enjoy our lives rather than sacrifice that happiness. At least that's what we tell ourselves. But when you're in your old age and your body has broken down because you chose to enjoy the moment at a young age, instead of taking care of your body, you might rethink that. You see, purpose always requires sacrifice. And this is how we should live our lives. Not to obtain a Super Bowl ring or a medal, but to attain something far more valuable that does not ever rust or does not ever fade. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy today. In fact, I would argue that we can have much more enjoyment out of each day when we understand this principle. I'm just going to tell you that, that when I began to save for my retirement, I was able to enjoy my money much more. I was able to enjoy going out to eat because there wasn't that thing in the back of my head saying, how much is this going to cost me when I retire? Knowing that that future was secure allowed me to enjoy the moment even more. And so it's not that I'm saying we can't enjoy today. On the contrary, what I'm saying is that when we understand this principle, then we can appreciate the moment even more. See, what I'm saying is, is that we should live our lives with eternity in mind, with the future in mind. That means we can enjoy today, but it also means we don't sabotage our future while doing it. And so the Olympian has a willingness to sacrifice. Another thing that Olympic runners do that we should learn from is that they are trained to not look back behind them when they run. Philippians 3.13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past 
and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past. See, the second thing Olympian runners, Olympic runners do is they train themselves not to look back. So when you look back, you can't look forward. When you're looking back, you can't see where you're going. When you're looking back, you don't realize that the glass wall is coming right at you. Many of us have seen videos or maybe have even been there where we were looking back while we were walking or running and we had ourselves an accident, right? There was a, there was a telephone pole there. There was another person there. There was a wall that we thought was a door, whatever it is. I, I was I was looking up some uh, some stuff on this and I found um, an article that was written by a runner, somebody who actually competes in racing. And here's what they said. They said, when you look back, it signals a negative shift in the mindset of an athlete. When a runner looks back, it's typically because they are afraid that someone is catching up to them. They are no longer running to win. They are now running to avoid losing. Running just to avoid losing strips you of enjoyment, the pleasure that you've trained long and hard for. Now, here's the twist of the passage we just read, right? The forgetting the past, looking forward. That's what, what he said. The, the, the person who wrote this had a huge past to forget. See, before the apostle Paul became a follower of Jesus, he was named Saul. And he was not a believer. In fact, he believed that Jesus was a false teacher, a heretic, he was a devout Jew who hunted down Christians to arrest them, to jail them, to convert or kill them. And during one such trip, he actually had an encounter with the risen Jesus. And this was the same Jesus who had been alive and well and had seen, been seen by over 500 eyewitnesses many days after his death. And in this encounter that Saul had with Jesus, this encounter that Saul could not de deny, it was that encounter which completely changed Saul's direction and his name. And after that, he was known as Paul. And Paul did his best to never look back. And it just amazes me that someone with his background could say that his focus was not behind him, but was ahead of him. See, we cannot become so focused on what has already happened that we lose sight of what lies ahead of us. What's more, we should not become so attached to right now that we lose sight of the future that lies ahead of us. I read that life is like a trapeze. And, and that description was this. That the, the, imagine a man on a trapeze, if you don't talk about the big bars that swing and they have them in the circuses. Imagine a man on a bar and he's hanging from this bar and he's swinging and that bar represents his past, it represents what was the life that he knew. It represents his routines and stability. But then at some point, God throws another bar to him. And now he has a choice to make. Do I hang on to the past? Do I hang on to what I'm comfortable? Do I hang on to my own uh, uh, safety here, my own safe zone? Right? Do I stay in the, in, in the box? Do I stay in my comfort zone or do I reach out and grab the opportunity that God is sending me? And when a person decides to do that, to reach out and grab a hold of what God has sent, they are stuck with a, 
a, a harsh realization, and here's what it is, that in order to grab the bar that God has sent our way, we have to let go of the bar we were holding on to. In order to grab onto the future that God has for you, you have to let go of your past. I'll say it like this. If you allow your past to become your present, it will rob your future. The third thing that these professional athletes, these Olympic athletes do differently than the average person is that they understand their identity. See, an athlete behaves different every day because they understand who they are. They are an athlete. They act the way they do because their actions come as a result of who they are. See, whether you realize it or not, your actions spring out of the identity that you've given yourself. See, to these athletes, to a, a, a champion, a champion will have that temptation to, to eat the junk food, right? To say, no, 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 I don't, I don't do that because I'm a, I'm a champion. Champions don't do that. They'll be faced with a situation where they're going to do something that might harm their team or the team's reputation, something immoral, right? And, and say, I, I don't do that. I'm a champion. Champions don't do that. An Olympic athlete might say, yeah, I really want to skip practice today, but I don't skip practice because I'm an Olympian and Olympians don't skip practice. See, it's, it's our identity that determines our actions. So if you believe that you're a liar, you're going to lie. If you believe that you're a failure, you will sabotage your success. If you believe that you're a victim, you will always find ways of blaming others for your problems. If you believe that you're worthless, you will tolerate others treating you like you are. If you believe you're forgiven, you will more easily forgive others. If you believe that you are loved, you will more easily show love to others. The way that you behave, yes, it can be a choice in the moment, but if you want to change the actions that are automatic, you need to change the way that you identify yourself. Your identity is the catalyst for your behaviors. There's a lot of things I could encourage you to identify with, but for now, let me give you just one. You are an immortal being. Now, you're not eternal. Okay, what is that? Why, why, why do I say that? Well, eternal means no beginning, no end. You have a beginning, right? You were born, you had a beginning. No beginning, no end. That's eternal. That's God. God is eternal. You are immortal. You have a beginning. You don't have an end. You don't have a beginning, you have a beginning, but you will live forever. Now, maybe not in the same way you do now, but you will live forever. Even if you're a person who doesn't believe in any of this heaven and hell stuff, even if you don't believe in any of that, you can still agree with me on this point. You will live forever in some way, right? Either it will be what the Bible says it will be and what I believe it is, which is a life after this, or you'll live forever through the effects that you've made on this world, the, the, the impacts that you've made on other people who will impact other people who will impact other people, right? It's, it's, it's called the butterfly effect. You have this, this thing that you can make an impact on the world and you change the world. You will live forever in some way. So once you understand that aspect of your identity, it should affect the way that you live. So your choices now, your actions now, your attitude now, those will affect the future 
after you die. And then here's the last thing that Olympic athletes, high-level athletes, these these uh, particularly dealing with runners, an, an Olympic runner knows that they need to always be looking at the goal. Always look at the goal. An Olympic runner knows this, not to focus on the present moment. Always focus on the goal. Don't focus on the people around you. Don't focus on the crowd. Everything is about the goal. When we forget that principle and we start to get comfortable in the present moment, we lose sight of the finish line and we set ourselves up for failure. There's a, there's a video of an Oregon runner and he is way ahead of the pack. And as he nears the finish line, he looks to the crowd and begins raising his hands and celebrating before he ever gets to the line, trying to get the crowd to cheer and, and chant for him. And at the last moment, as he has focused on the crowd, a Washington runner passes him up. And the Oregon runner, who was way ahead, lost because he lost sight of the goal. See, one of the defining characteristics of a champion is their focus. A champion is able to focus entirely on one goal and give it everything that they have. Even more, a champion is able to focus on a goal so much that it changes everything that they do. Now, contrast this to the average normal person, right? The average normal person makes a lot of New Year's resolutions at the beginning of the year and keeps very few, if any, of them. But a champion sets a goal and devotes their life to achieving it. A normal person might have goals, but those goals, they, they take a backseat to the daily grind of life. But to a champion, the daily grind of life is organized around achieving that goal. Craig Groeschel says it like this, a successful person does consistently what a normal person does occasionally. And that's the difference. See, if our goal is eternity and our focus is constantly on eternity after this life, then our actions will align with that goal. And we will live as if it actually mattered. I want you for just a moment to just use your imagination. And I want you to picture, let's, let's, say, let's say we're going to picture a road. We're talking about runners. I want you to imagine a road. And this road goes as far as the eye can see. And just picture a road going straight out ahead of you until it just vanishes off into the distance. And then I want you, as you've got this road in your mind, as you're imagining this, I want you to now look down and see your feet standing on the road. And right in front of your feet is a very thin yellow line. Now that line represents your time on earth. The entire road represents your, your existence. Now, imagine for a moment that that road actually does go on forever. It loops around the earth a few times. It shoots out into space. It just goes forever. That, that uh, road, it represents a timeline of your existence. The little yellow line in front of your feet on the road, that represents your time on this earth. We've got a few short years here on earth. And then you have all of eternity somewhere else. And what's amazing is that for some of you listening to this and for many on this planet right now, all we think about is that little thin line 
We ignore the eternity that comes afterward. I mean, this this entire long eternity that goes on and on and on and on forever, but we only focus on this thin little tiny line. That's all we think about. We're we're consumed with it. Yeah, I'm going to work really, really hard for this first half of this yellow line, and I'm going to save and save and save, and so that right when I get to the very end of that line, I can I can enjoy this little part right here, but. It's the way that so many people live their lives. And it's who Paul's talking about in Philippians 3, 18 and 19, when he says, for I've told you often before, and I say this again with tears in my eyes, there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life on earth. Look, you you might believe in God or you might not, but make no mistake, you are worshiping something. And so many people have made a God out of their appetites. What feels good in the moment? Ultimately, that has also cost so many people their futures, both in this life and the one that comes next. So many people live for the moment while overlooking the fact that those moments are fleeting, this life is fleeting, and there is a time coming where a transition will happen from that yellow line on the road into the rest of eternity. And what you do now and the choices you make now will determine how you exist for millions, billions, trillions of years for eternity. See, everyone lives forever somewhere. Where that is depends on the choices you have made in this life. You don't know when that part of your life is going to end. This part on earth is going to end and the road will begin and the rest of eternity will begin. You can't know the future. You don't know when that happens. You don't know when this life ends. That's why we must live with intention. It's why we must live with eternity in mind. It's why we must love with all we have now. It's why we must be generous with all that we have right now. Why we must live lives that honor God now. It's why we must make wise choices now. It's why we must not allow the enemy to shut us down now. Because what we're doing has eternal ramifications. See, That's why Jesus lived the life that he did. It's why he died the death that he did. He wasn't just thinking about this life. He was thinking about eternity. He was living with eternity in mind. You see, what stops us from entering heaven is our sin. And any sin is enough to keep us out. Because God is perfect and holy and he cannot dwell in the presence of sin. And to die in our sin is to go to eternity tainted by it. And to do that is to be eternally separated from God. And there is no going back once we cross that line. The only way to get to heaven would be to pay the penalty for sin before we die. That's why Jesus gave his life. It was meant to be the payment for sins he never committed. It was for your sin. It was for my sin. The most important choice you will ever make in this life is to accept that payment before you cross into eternity. To believe on Jesus as the one who saves you from an eternity separated from God. An eternity that your own choices, by the way, have propelled you towards. 
I wouldn't dare close out a podcast like this, an episode like this, where I've been talking about eternity the entire time without telling you how to make sure that you can know where you're going to spend it. And if you're not 100% sure that if you were to die today, heaven would be your home, it's time to make sure. To just say a prayer like this, Father, I know that I've sinned and I pray that you would forgive me. I put my hope and my trust in you. I, 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 I put everything I have in you. I believe on you. Jesus as my Savior is my Lord. I give my life to you. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're already a Christian and, and you're listening to this, then I would have two questions for you. And I, I would ask you to just ask yourself these questions in, in this next week and, and really to ask these questions often. Here's what they are. Two, two questions. What have you done this week that matters in light of eternity? And what are you doing that will not be remembered in eternity? Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us at New Beginnings Family. We appreciate you listening and hope that the message was encouraging, inspiring, challenging, that ultimately it brings you closer to Jesus Christ. If you have any questions for us or would like to get a hold of us, you can reach out to us at www.nbfamily.net. Thank you so much. We love you. Have an amazing day. And thank you for all your support. We'll see you next time.